Welcome back. Week six of the fellowship. Week what? Week six. D9. Week 69. <laughs> minus 63 episodes. Week, uh, did I do that math right? Week six. Uh, we are very happy to be doing another episode. We have a great, great guest. A real week. guest. Yeah, actually. And a real golfer. Yeah. Style. That, style. Uh, a golfer type style guest. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah. 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 It rolls off the tongue yeah. nice, doesn't it? It's going to be hard to upgrade from Shaddy, but we're going to try. If yeah. everything goes to plan, uh, Geoff Extreme Overstreet will not be stumbling in, knocking over the boom mics. We hope everyone watched episode five. We locked the front door. That was uh, quite a moment. Uh, but there's sure to be some more moments to follow as soon as we get the Glenn, Glenn Morangi board. Yes, please. Uh, make it stiff. Make it tall. I need one Are today. Are you going to drink it this time oh, yeah. or just let it oh, sit yeah. there? No, I'm going to drink it. we got to get drunk uh, for our guest because he's not drinking, so we're going to have to do double the drinking for him. You ready to do it? Uh, I guess so. Okay. Well, I'm let's... the resident guest, so I don't have to do shit. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's get the show started. Cheers. Sure. Oh, your drink's already here. Yeah. Well, look at that. How did that happen? Look at that. Look at that, Adam. Well, <clears throat> glad it's here. Glad you're here. Hate to give you compliments, but... <laughs> but you look amazing. Uh, for the uh, listeners who aren't watching, I just extended my hand for a handshake and was... Uh, Thank you very little. Dismissed. Uh, thank you uh, for being here. You do look great. Can you tell us about this jacket? Is it uh, actually camel fur? Yeah, it's a camel fur uh, sport coat. I actually got married in this jacket um, and uh, haven't worn it since. Put it on, got here to the show, and it had a cigar that was three years old in it. Very nice. Shriveled up. Yeah, that's great. So you didn't get to the cigar on the wedding day? Um, I probably had multiple cigars, and that was just what we call a Larry. Um, like a wounded soldier, someone sure. left behind. Yeah, um, that's what our friend group calls those, and um, that is uh, chalked up to uh, Larry Cigar for me on the wedding night. Great. Mm -hmm. um, so this isn't related to golf. This is just kind of related to this is the the part of the show where we kind of like to catch the viewers up on what we've been doing this week. You came in yesterday and told me, and I quote, um, we've gotten out of control, we've gotten fat, we both need to lose 25 pounds, it's time for a health kick. And Weren't we talking about McDonald's on the last episode, too? Yeah, we were talking about McDonald's, <laughs> but uh, you said, look, we need to go on a 30-day break from McDonald's, we need to get into shape, It's uh, we're out of control right now. I did not expect to hear this from you, um, so that was yeah. that was interesting. Uh, I do agree with you that we both need to lose some weight. Now, for the viewers at home, I want to clarify a little something. I was committing to one of the meals a day uh -huh. being healthy. Which was lunch. Lunch. Right. So um, all bets are off for dinner. I'm still putting butter in the skillet and uh, taking the spoon and flicking it on top of the ribeye. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, so definitely not uh, sacrificing the uh, the evening meal, as they say. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, midday, I think we could do a little better. So I bring that up because today is day two of the health kick. Yeah. And uh, you text me and say, uh, I'm bringing in lunch. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what it is. Is it a kale salad? What is it? Uh, and it's a BLT with extra mayo on white bread. Yeah. So this health kick lasted all of about 24 hours before you well, yourself bring iceberg in... iceberg lettuce, um, the fresh tomato. Yeah. Tomato, I mean, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was actually uh, oat nut uh, bread, mm -hmm. so you're wrong there. But uh, definitely a lot of mayo. That's a secret to a BLT is a lot of mayo. But mayo is not bad for you. It's just whipped eggs and fucking oil or whatever the hell they put in there. Sure. You know, I think so. the secret to a diet is not... 
hitting BLTs for lunch on day two. Well, you were saying the other day that the keto diet is heavy on the bacon, so I figured, fuck, you know, maybe we'll lose some weight eating a BLT. Yeah, you minus know? the mayo and the bread and everything else you put on it. Delicious sandwich, by the way. You make a mean BLT. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, also, I got that text message today from a barber shop, if you can call it a barber shop. Uh, I was in a pinch today, and I had to go to Supercuts. That is not a barber shop. Uh, okay, it's not a barber shop. It's a it's a chain haircut place. Uh, but I, I went to Supercuts. Supercuts is like the Tinder of haircut places. It's like your last resort. You're just like, fuck, I can't find a female. I'm just going to start swiping right, dude. Right, and I could not find a place that was open, and so I went to Supercuts. Now, I would argue that my You hair, seem like a sports clips kind of guy. Hey, turn on... <laughs> You know, if I if I if I'm at sports clips, I want them to turn on whatever channel Ted Sobel is on. I love to watch Ted Sobel yeah. uh, while I'm getting my hair cut. But no, I was at Supercuts today, and I bring it up because I think I look great. I think my hair looks awesome. Can you notice the difference between a supercut and a barbershop cut? Hundred percent. How? For one, they use a more professional uh, clipper mm. and style. And then, if you're going to a real traditional barbershop, I I am a Frequent guest at King's Club Barbershop in Dana Point, California. Shout out to King's Club. They are traditional barbers. Uh, straight razor finish. Uh, warm. Uh, um, towel. Warm shaving cream. Hot oh, towel. Yeah. Um, the handheld uh, back massager before. Pomade. The whole nine yards. Uh, you know, th- there, there's an art to that, to men's grooming. And these chop shops just, just don't get it. You know, you can't just buy a set of oysters and fucking change the clip and goes all right next you know like you you basically you know you got a shitty lawn mode is what you did well you know thank you very much appreciate it looks good on you you yeah 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 (laughs) well thank you um supercuts is responsible how much was it Twenty three dollars. It it was. Uh, well, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, we have a wonderful guest today. This is the first time in show history where I'm bringing on someone from my world. It's this been, better be good, Pally. It's been just us going through <laughs> your yearbook and picking out high school friends and bringing them back. But uh, we, we have a great guest today, um, which I'm really excited about. In fact. I'm going to bring my high school yearbook in here next time. Please do. Yeah. We're going to need we a can guest start next read, week. We can start reading all the fucking goodbyes in there and shit. Yeah, that you would know? be awesome. A lot, right. of, a lot of chicks. A lot of chicks. Is that right? Maybe. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, taking a look at that. In fact, let's make sure that we do do that for the horse hockey segment next week. Let's There's make that sh- word again. Let's horse make hockey. sure that we, uh, we read it. Very avant-garde of you to keep using horse hockey. You hey, know? thank you. So our guest today is a three-time Golden Mike Award winner. He is the author of a new book called Touching Greatness. I have the book. Completely out of our league as a guest. It's a fantastic book. Uh, He covered the first Olympics in 776 B.C. (laughs) He's old. Jesus, what up? (laughs) He's old, but if you know anything about nation golf, we adore old people. Nobody loves old people more than me. I feel yeah. like I'm Donald Trump saying that. Well, we we love old people, <laughs> and uh, we can't wait to talk to this guy. He is my friend. He's about to become all of your friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Ted Sobel. Ted, come on in here. All right, bud. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. Where do you want me to sit? Take right here? Seat, right Ted. here, Ted. You deserve it. I warmed it up for you, bud. I feel so much better now that... You appreciate old people. Yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, well, you better make this fast because I don't have much time. Why, you got to get a dinner? No, I'm old. Well, it's 1 p.m., so I was okay. wondering if you got It doesn't matter what time of the day. It, it matters what day of the calendar it is. 
Normally, I'm old, I said, yeah. didn't I? Normally, I don't have any notes prepared, but, but you have lived such a distinguished life in broadcast media, specifically golf, um, which is why we want to have you on. Yeah. That I have pages and pages of notes here, so wow. forgive me for holding this, uh, but I don't want to forget anything that we're going to talk about. Just to set the background a little bit, you and I met in 2014 at KFWB, a radio station that you worked at. KFWB. One more time. That was great. Come on. I got to hear that. Actually, that was not our slogan, but it sounded good. Los Angeles. That was fantastic. It should have been. We wouldn't have gone under if we had that. Um, 23 years I was there. 23 years. uh, You've won three golden mics for excellent broadcasting. Thank you. Should have been 10, but that's okay. uh, Whoa. Hey. Who beat you out? Uh, it's not who beat me out. It's the fact that they didn't enter me when I had, like, locks. They were. I'm not a big awards guy. It's always nice. You don't sound like, like it. I don't really need an award for anything. Yeah. But I could think of ten had. awards I should have had yeah. also. Yeah. But you're making it up. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> That's a big well, difference. I'd give him the best BLT award. That was... That, hey, fuck. I'm still but, thinking about after that. You threw By me the way, the bus, uh, oh my, my cholesterol level went up just watching the Open. But go ahead. Oh. So you have worked in the sports media business forever. You and I met in 2014. I was told by a person that worked there who knows his stuff, Joe Safety, you got to talk to Teddy Legend. He knows everybody. He's been everywhere. Just go sit down and be a sponge. And I think I was one of the few guys at that station who was always looking for a Ted Sobel story. I think you're right. And I don't know why, but... I was the only guy still left over from the previous regime. Right. And a lot of guys didn't take advantage of it, but hey, it's their loss, whatever. And I love hearing these stories. So when yeah. I purchased your book, yes. Touching Greatness, thank you, off of uh, Amazon.com, a fine book retailer, um, <laughs> I opened up the first page to the acknowledgments. Didn't see myself in there. <laughs> And uh, I I'd forget you too. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I was going to say Ryan hasn't acknowledged you since you started working with. Him. <laughs> All so right, why true. should I? Hey, there's an art to that. I know. You, yeah. you get what you're paying. Yeah, you've probably been asked this a bunch of times. I've, I I know you're on the book tour. Every yes. time I turn on the local news, you're hanging out with Rob Fukazawi. Is I'm sorry, Fukazaki. Fukazaki. Yeah, Great guy, by the way. Yes, uh, yeah. I did not mean to butcher his last name. He is a wonderful guy. You're on the local news all the time now. Um, <laughs> and so. I'm sure you get asked this. It's probably the first question anyone gets asked when they write a book. Why write a book? And the reason I ask is we've had to listen to 40,000 Ted Sobel updates over the years. Did you think the world just needed more Ted Sobel? <laughs> no. Well, those are Ted Sobel updates talking about other stuff. Okay. Very they good. weren't talking about me. Exactly. You know what? Um, I didn't think I was ever going to write a book. I, it wasn't even a thought up until about 20 years ago when literally people started saying, Ted, you got this story about Ted Williams, about Arnold Palmer, about Joe DiMaggio, about this guy. That You got to write a book someday. And I said, I don't think so. I, first of all, nobody gives a damn about my life. And they're, not, and they're really not going to give a damn after watching this thing. But wow. the bottom line is... Well, although they might acknowledge me more than I acknowledged you. Fair in the enough. Book. Hey, Very hey, good. Hey, I'm hey, just hey. saying. Yeah. I'm yep. just saying. Yep. Anyway. Loud and clear. Yeah. Does it make me feel Loud real bad that I didn't mention your name in there? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you would have given me the same amount of cash the other guys gave me, you would have had a shot at hey, it. Hey, 
<laughs> Give him 20 bucks, have him sign your book, and yeah. you can pencil I'll write your, your name, name in. right in there. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. We'll do, we'll <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's a lock. When we're done, I'm putting your name yeah. in the acknowledgement. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. You and I ran into each other at Riviera Country Club in 2018. Yes. It was behind 17 Green. I was about to walk down the 18th hole. It was Saturday of the Genesis Open. I was so happy to see you. I hadn't seen you in a while. And you told me, I'm writing a book. This was three years ago. Okay. Now the book is out. How does it feel to be able to tangibly hold a book with your face and Kobe Bryant's face on it? And it says Touching Greatness, and it's got your byline. And uh, it's an oversized book, if I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge book, 258 pages. How does it feel to have it done and be able to hold it? It feels fantastic because it's about 3,000 hours worth mm. of work. Mm. Uh, a lot of that just is not as much just writing, but research, because I got a lot of referencing going back to wherever, right? And I want to make sure every single fact is exact. I'm not like the idiots of the world right now. Oh, whatever. The facts in there are not important. Yes, they are. Okay? The word journalism is dying rapidly. Dead. And it needs to come back immediately. And maybe it'll come back in my next life, which is rapidly approaching, by the way. <laughs> but separate issue. You know, bottom line to me is... I want people to know the facts about my stories. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I, I actually uh, had a subscription to newspapers.com. Wow. And I look back like Arnold Palmer, 1955, and whatever date, boom, mm -hmm. it pops up and you find whatever newspapers they had in, in their archives. Mm -hmm. And it is great. So I spent a lot of time it. doing it. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really neat. Yeah. You strike me as a guy that would like a newspaper. Maybe just the, the idea of that era of just going out there in the morning you know flipping a pot of coffee on walking out in your robe and slippers and grabbing the paper and coming in and you know flipping through that thing and seeing what the fuck was going on in the world that's just cool shit yeah. you, you know, know what the best and it's part, over now you know it's, it's totally over yeah and it's sad and you yeah. know what people are missing out on now i don't know how many folks ended up doing what i did but i was really lucky when my dad uh, he would always bring home the Sunday newspaper, mm -hmm. right? And it was in those days, it was this thick. thick. One, yeah, yeah. You know, now it's like about this. But it, it was really thick with everything in there. But he would say, Teddy, come on over here. It's, it's Sunday. And I would jump into bed, and we would just lean back in the bed, and he'd pick up the comics, and he would read the entire comic strip to, it, to wow. me and my sister. That's great. Every single Little Sunday. did you know, on the other side was the Nordstrom's women's underwear section. No, Nordstrom's <laughs> didn't exist then. <laughs> yeah. It was well, not a, in L.A. It was, yeah. a, it was a Montgomery Ward. Now, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very good. I told you. He knew his shit. That's you know, unbelievable. You guys might have a little generation gap. A lot of gap. people call yeah, that how do you Mary, But how do you way. get this stuff? For, you have a, like an old soul? Yeah. yeah well, you, I, you, I, everyone always tells me that for sure, but... Um, Nowadays, you can research stuff that you're into, and I'm into that stuff. But, you know, like we were talking about before the show and my influence, I just had really fucking cool grandparents, That's you know, great. like, and, you know, I remember th there was a little downhill on a turn before my house, and I would skate from high school back, back to the house. Right. And, you know, every, every now and then I would make that turn on the corner, and I'd see my grandma's Cadillac in the driveway, and it was like... Whatever I had planned, surfing, hanging out with my friends, all bets were off. When when I saw Grandma's Cadillac, I could it gives me the goosebumps. You mean them visiting about. your house? Yeah, 
it was like, I am going straight out back. She's playing Jim Rummy with my dad, smoking cigarettes, folding laundry, perfect. We're going out to dinner that night. It was like, grandma's in town. I can't wait to hang out with this woman. She was just so fucking cool. That's great. And I think I just picked up on so much of that stuff, unbeknownst to me at the time, you know. Um, but now as you get older, you start realizing what your influences were. And, uh, man, they really influenced me a lot. So um, That's great. I love I just, that. That... that analog era i guess is the yep. best way to, to put it paper radio magazines ted sobel ted sobel no you know real journalism real broadcasting real real stuff um there was just a you mean not like podcasts which aren't real yeah. make it easy well, well, hey, just, hey i'm just saying how many, easy, how many podcasts have you seen with a beautiful male like myself Drinking scotch and smoking a cigar. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a throwback. You look at uh, the totally. set that we have here. We are trying to uh, throw it back. But speaking of inspiration, Ryan just talked about his. Your dad was a big inspiration. Huge. Bernie. And uh, Bernie was actually the one who told you to take up the game of golf. Now, despite the fact that he did not play golf, he felt it was important for you to play. Why did Bernie, your father, think it was important for you to play golf? Several reasons. First of all, he said it's something you could do for the rest of your life as long as you stay reasonably healthy. Second of all, he said it's great for business. It's great for socializing. Uh, You get somebody, if you're in an actual business and you doing business on a golf course because you spend four to five hours with whomever, mm-hmm. um, they're going to, after a while, hopefully trust you, mm-hmm. right? As long as they don't see you moving your ball every five minutes. Like, the, we won't mention any names yeah. right now. Oh, but, we will. Oh, well, not yet, I'm yeah. saying. But, but we will. You know what really struck a chord with me, what you just said? What's that? Uh, reasonably healthy. That's something that I personally strive for. Yeah. Yes, not healthy, Reasonably yeah. healthy. Well, it's good that reasonable BLT at the at the yeah. turn at the turn, yeah, right? Yeah. You, yes, yes. You should be careful. This guy might get a reasonably healthy tattoo next time he's in the shop. <laughs> you know, that is true. Now, your really? dad, I got uh, Ted Sobel to work. He 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 didn't. Your dad did not play golf. No, he told you to play golf. There is a story in the book that your father played one round of golf and he achieved uh, quite a rarity in the game. Could you tell us that? And I hate him forever for that. Wow. Because of the fact that he supposedly, and my father was an honest SOB. I mean, there was no bullshit in his life. None. Whatever he said was the truth. He didn't have time for BS. It was like a total waste of his effort. It's the old story. You, you use up more effort being a jerk than you do being a nice person. How about that? It's the same thing. When you lie... you got to keep lying. You know, you, then you have to lie on top of the lie to right. make the lie look right. good. That right. sounds so, like a lie. And, and this sounds is, like my life. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. I'm We've not. all heard. Yes, <laughs> anyway. So my father would have never lied about that. He had no reason to. He wasn't the, he, somebody who boasted about things mm-hmm. or anything. But he only told me at once about it when I was a little kid. I totally forgot about it. He died when I was 19. Mm-hmm. And then some years later, I don't even remember why it happened, but I'm talking to my mother and she says, we maybe had something, I mentioned golf. He said, hey, you know, remember when your father, he, he talked about, and I said, I actually don't remember that. He had a hole in one. He didn't even know how to grip a club. So he came home and he was on cloud nine. He had no idea what he was doing. And he had a hole in one in the first round he ever played. His, I think he played a couple of rounds okay. on a real course. And yeah. that was it. Wow. Just, just with friends. Wow. Because he didn't know how to play. That's yeah. incredible. Yep. So, and I, by the way, I still haven't had one. Neither have I. Yep. 
Ryan has had three. Really? Yeah. At least he tells you he's well, had three. Well, yeah. well, actually, he has some evidence hanging really? right above us. Uh, oh, that's great. You know what was great is I, I was like you and like so many that played the game. I, I played for a long time. Yeah. And I didn't have my first one until I was like 20. Five or something like that, and I'd been playing since I was a little kid. Am I supposed to think that's a long time? Well, no, I mean, I've been playing since I was fucking six, you know know. what I mean? So I started when I was in high school, yeah. I I didn't play as and I played a lot, and then I played in 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 periods very seriously. So, you know, you get close so many times, we've all been close, you know, and you're just like, you have that feeling that that I'm getting to where it's like, I don't know if it's ever gonna fucking happen, you know. and I got my first one, which was a, a wonderful story. It was at a, a friend's bachelor party, and I got tackled by eight people, and it was it was memorable. And then you, got you know, video on that, by the way. No, I have pictures. Okay, but uh, That's nice. but uh, literally almost ten years later, you know, I had that same feeling like fuck, maybe I'll never get another one, you know. And then I got two in the same fucking month. What? And then I was telling my buddy Steve, I was like, you know what? I think I unlocked it. I think I'm just going to start getting hole in ones. I haven't had one Did since. You think, you think a turning pro about <laughs> right there? Or no, all? no. But, <laughs> I was going to say that's yeah. not too bad. No, that's very good. Yeah, but uh, it's a it's <laughs> it's one of those things in golf. I think it's one of the great um, things about golf because we've said this before in prior shows. You could be playing with your friends or playing partners. You could be in a match. You could be at each other's throats, talking mass amounts of shit, mad as hell at whomever you're playing with. And you, someone can get a hole in one, and the playing partners are—it's—it's it's arguably just as happy and excited true. as yeah, the guy. Absolutely, and true. I think that speaks volumes of where the game is deep rooted, as far as the fellowship and the traditions, the the gentleman aspect of the game, the royal and ancient aspect of sure. the game. Um, and I think that's that's just wonderful. I I I wish that we could have you know. Met your dad and talked about how he got a hole in one playing by himself, you yeah. know, with no one looking. Oh, if he was sitting here right now, <laughs> I can only imagine what it would be. Yeah. And he'd be smoking your cigar. Yeah, I'd yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'd be begging I'm for a, his I Cubans, think I'm a by the Bernie way. Guy. I think yeah. I but but by the way, um, I, I've ne- only seen one hole in one in person mm. in my life while playing. And it was, I was playing a pro-am at the Kraft Nabisco. I can't remember what year. Sure. Yeah, maybe 2012-ish. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, Shan Shan Fung, who turned out to be number one in the world, she wanted to be called Jenny Money. She was a nobody what a name. then. Yeah. Money. Yes, for, especially for yeah. a girl from China, Jenny Money. I knew a couple yeah. of strippers named Jenny Money. I bet you did. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I can see you flipping coins to them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, coins. They're like, yeah, sir, yeah, no exactly. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more pennies on the on the yeah. tip bar, sir. Anyway, but but I was she had a hole in one. Yeah. And I was so it was like I've never seen one before. And it was at the dinosaur yeah. course, of course. It was yeah. a pro am. And like I said, you're just so when it goes in, it's like it's like you're seeing a fucking ghost. It's yeah. so exciting. So I got a, I took a picture of her yeah. reaching down out. to get the yeah. ball That's out. Awesome. And then we took a picture together and she's holding up number one. That's awesome. Great. And it's really it's a lot of fun. And then she ended up being number one in the That's world. Awesome. It's like, are you it's like that number one means a heck of a lot more. And I, I saw her last year. At or actually earlier this year at the uh, at Wilshire Country Club when the LPGA was here, mm. and I walked over and I've seen her a few times for over the years, and I said, "So have you had a hole in one since that time?" We she didn't remember. She said, "Oh yeah, that's right. I was with you. I remember that uh, now." She says, "I haven't had a hole in one since." Really? No, a number oh. one in the world. Now, you, you lucky bastard! I know. Yeah. Well, that, and I know that, and I know that because they are that rare, and, and they're also incredibly <clears throat> lucky. Yeah, and, incredibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. Uh, I wanted to ask you, yes. 
um, cause I know you know a lot about LT Gray, um, L, Mr. Eldrick Woods. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read somewhere recently that he hasn't had one since like 99 or 2001 or something that, like that. I don't know, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Again, you could be the greatest player who ever lived by so far. You, it's so much luck. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, it, you could have the perfect shot. And, and how about if a little wind comes up yeah, or, yeah. you know, anything? Sure. So uh, I missed it by maybe about five inches or so. Mm-hmm. That's a close side. And that was at Sherwood Country Club, Ooh, uh, part baby. three. The uh, the uphill. Um, That's a nice little muni, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> a decent one. Well, you got a chance to play. Well, you know, I got to play the Pro-Am every year with they Tiger's Tournament. got some tournament. cute casitas around the course. Yeah, 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 not yeah just yeah. some modest, humble homes. One of the best perks about doing what I do is getting to play some of the greatest Rock, courses of all so time. So when, when are we going to hang out after this? Let's, let's get I don't let's get do loose. much of that anymore. You nope. can hang out with me, but you won't be. I haven't played golf in a year and a half. I'll take you out there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a good time. We used to play golf together when we yeah. worked together. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you gave me some great advice after a club throw. Yes. Uh, and by the way, I think I was throwing clubs that you sold me. You sold me my first set of legitimate clubs. I thought you were throwing because you hated them. Well, could have been a combo of both. R- R7s, yeah. right? Uh, Taylor made R7s. Yeah, when I got to the company, uh, Ryan Engel made sure that I threw those in the garbage because he said, we don't play Taylor Mades at Nation Golf. We play wow. Ping I2s and older. You literally threw them in the garbage? No, I did not. I feel bad. No, no. I took them to Roger Dunn and they gave me $16. They gave you a dollar and a quarter. Well, yeah. A little bit more. Uh, $16? Uh, yeah. That was, I, I, That's it? Well, Roger gave him eight, and the other guy gave him Dunn Dun kicked other. in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. After that club throw, when we played together, you gave me some advice that has stuck with me since then and will stick with me for the rest of my life. You told me, you will never be good enough to get that mad. And since then, it's just that's great. Advice. It's profound advice. I have given that advice to many people. I have, and they got mad at you for doing it. Well, because people don't like to hear the truth. Yeah, of because the first half of that statement is you'll never be good enough. Right. Dot dot dot. Oh, you're telling me I'm not going to be good. Yes, yeah. we are telling yeah. you. Yeah, and it's it's yes, more, we are. I got one better than that. That's What's that? In the same vein, and I've had a friend tell me this once because we had a we had a playing partner, a good friend of ours, and he's a club thrower as well, and he's out there throwing his temper tantrum. And the good friend leans over to me and he goes, what's the difference between an 85 and an 89? You mean to him? Yeah, like he's saying that to me about him. Oh. And basically what he's getting at is it's not worth getting mad over. Right. You know, like you're an 85 golfer. You're throwing your club because you just double bogeyed. What's the fucking big idea? Yeah, but I yeah. think the other way of right. saying it is a lot stronger. Oh, yeah, and being, oh, no, 100%. And, and not being a jerk about it, but just being honest. It's like, hey, buddy. It's like, are you going to be mad that you don't hit home runs against Nolan Ryan or something? You're an idiot if you're mad. Yeah, it's a you're, very I mean, hard game. Yeah, I exactly. Haven't, I haven't thrown a club since, and really I, I've actually passed that advice on. Good. I hope they paid attention. Yeah, and and <laughs> and they should. Um, but yeah, that was that was a great coincidence that you sold me my first set of clubs that I went airmailing. You have another great saying that golf is a gentleman's game, but the gentleman doesn't have to be a prick. Yes, write that down. I love that. Yeah. And now this goes uh, with a conversation we were having uh, a week ago when I invited you on the show where Ryan and I feel like the gentleman's aspect and the tradition and the soul of golf has been lost. You've been around covering golf for a long time. Do you feel like the soul and the tradition and and the elements that make golf stand the test of time for as long as it has decades and decades and decades, do you feel like that's on a decline right now? It's on a decline, but I think there are enough good people out there that's sort of keeping it still going. The question is, where will the spiral go? 
downhill or back up again. Mm. Mm. I think there's enough quality guys and girls out there that are that are saying, you know what, I respect the tradition and the history of this game mm -hmm. to the point where I'm not going to screw it up and I'm not going to make an ass out of myself because that's really mm -hmm. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. To the people who respect, you know, it's the word respect. It's not just about golf. It's, it's, it's on the planet Earth right now. The word respect is like journalism. It's being melted in front of our faces, mm -hmm. and it's going down the tubes mm -hmm. in a hurry. Yeah. And if you don't respect, I'm not going to get into politics, but I can tell you, the idea of no vaccination right now, it means you don't respect your fellow man. You don't give a damn about them. You only care about yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, okay. We, you said you wouldn't get into politics, Ted, and you just... And by the way, no, no, but by the way, that shouldn't be about politics. Okay. That should be about what, what you think about morality. That's okay. not political. It became political in the last few years. Fair enough. Be. And in the interest of keeping this show apolitical, Thank you as much. they like to say, let's steer it back towards golf. In yes. this book, uh, you interview uh, a lot of Hall of Famers from all over sports, but you've got a great section on Arnold Palmer. We have described Arnold Palmer as our company's North Star. Ryan loves Arnold Palmer. Now, why? I'd like to know why first before we get okay, into that. What is it about Arnold, about anybody? I mean, you got Jack, you got Gary, you got Trevino, whatever. Well, Ar Arnold, Arnold's the glue of, of true golf. You know, Jack was a great competitive golfer, but Arnie was... The, without Arnie, there wouldn't have been a Tiger Woods. There wouldn't have been million-dollar purses. There wouldn't have been... No doubt. Uh, I mean, he, he built... They, they did a, a great thing with Augusta. They had... They had an unbelievable tournament, whatever, but Arnie put that tournament on his back, you know, and it was his success and him coming into TV. He, he made golf for the common people. And with all this grow the game slogans and shit out there, it's like they have a lot to, to tip their cap to towards the King. Oh, no. um, and my grandparents knew that and they were from that era. So he was the King and we were fortunate enough to have him over to the house and those, those, um, you're in the mid '80s during the Hope, and sure. and as you know right. more than even us, that he treated everybody like he was. He gave you the time. He actually gave you when he shook anyone's hand. He looked you in the eyes and he made you feel like he was listening, and he was. You know, yeah. I mean, the guy spent six figures on return postage just because he answered every fucking <laughs> piece true. of fan mail. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that what he was able to do with his stardom will not only never be repeated, but I think it's impossible to repeat. Well, I actually mentioned the fact of how Arnold signed his name, yeah. showing what kind of a person he was, yes. and telling everybody, all the kids today, you just scribble your name. Now, I just recently learned, and this really makes me feel like a dinosaur, that they don't even teach cursive writing no, anymore. No, they don't. I didn't know that. They don't. So, because I, I don't have kids. That scares the crap out of me. That means you can't even sign your name legitimately. I mean, without a scribble, yeah, yeah. that makes no sense. I, so I, Arnold I, would be grabbing everybody by oh, the lapel yeah. and saying, "What the hell are you yeah. doing? You got to be able to read your name. What do you think? It's your gonna, brand. That's your brand. And not he only made it that, brand, but you know? twenty years from forget twenty years from now, five years from now, you're going to pick that up. Who the hell is that? Yeah, totally. yeah. You know, it's like come I on. I also just think that it shows that you really care about the individual no you're doubt. signing for. Absolutely, the two best signatures in terms of penmanship and legibility are Arnold Palmer and Tony Gwynn. And these guys signed and signed and signed for hours and hours every single day. And to take the time 
to clearly write it so someone can read it years and years later. You brought in a lot of great stuff today. You brought in photo albums that had us just floored. You've got these old pictures of Arnold Palmer that are signed in every single one of his signatures. I had to ask you, is this a real signature? Because they it almost it looks fake. They look fake. It, it almost looks, it looks like a stamp. Like, yes. But you know what to yes. watch him sign? Oh yeah. Was, it was like watching an artist mm-hmm. because he was doing the A. And yeah. the, you know, then the P was always the. I, I mean, I'd stand there and watch him. It was like yeah. it's unbelievable. And nobody took the time to do yeah. that like him. But the younger guys, when he would say to them, "Hey, you're signing those flags," I can't tell what name that is. Yeah, yeah. you know, I yeah. love that about yeah. that. No, that's great, and that's that's respect. Yeah, that's passing it down. These are lessons that you learn. This is why we love old people because they're the smartest, and they are teaching you these lessons. And it's whether or not you want to listen to them and continue to. But pass when them did down. respect become <clears throat> a four-letter word? I don't understand that. Wow. You know, well said. Because now well said. instead of respect, it's about your personal comfort. It's about your, me. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's about the two-letter word yeah. or one, me or I. Yeah. That's it. It's like okay, you want to do that the rest of your life? Yeah. Good luck to you. But you know, for history purposes, yeah. it's going to be remembered. Yeah. When did you first meet Arnold Palmer? <clears throat> wow. First time I met Arnold. Uh, well, you know, I saw him a lot of times, but I would say the first time was as an adult. Yeah. Uh, covering. Uh, one of the later tournaments of his career when he'd come to L.A., and he played at Riviera, and uh, it was just a matter of one of the guys sticking a microphone in his mouth, mm-hmm. you know, but hanging around, and then they'd do some small talk, mm-hmm. and he, he wasn't just, oh, you know, we're done, and he'd walk away. He'd continue to just sort of hang out with oh, you he if he wasn't in a, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Right. Exactly. If he wasn't in a hurry, yeah. you know, and I got a great story in the book, not in this one, in a future volume of Touching Greatness, about... Um, his grandson, his grandson yes. and being at his house in the desert and how the guy was over there fixing up his house and and they wanted was, he was that was what i read last night yeah he, he was in a, he was in a hurry yeah. and but it was like no arnold, arnold says no 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 you can stay with us and they were drinking together and you know it's what, like, you're arnold palmer you don't do it's like that's why i'm arnold palmer right yeah, exactly yeah. right yeah, yeah. What a, what a, isn't that a great story it is it, it, i mean and you know what's crazy about him is i mean i have a story similar to that and there's probably thousands of others. Can you, can you, you tell know? your story? I love your story. <clears throat> yeah, so, I want to hear it too. Absolutely. So in 86, um, my grandparents were still at Bermuda Dunes. Yep. And they were the host club that year for the Hope. And so the big shebang after the tournament was at the club at their at Bermuda Dunes. Yep. And so at that time in 86, Arnie was still on the tour, but he was, you know, he had the biggest galleries and shit for the Hope, but, you know, he wasn't nowhere near winning. Yeah. But, you know, he was playing with either Bob or or a couple other celebrities or what have or you. President. Or a president. Yeah. And, uh, right. you know, back then, the, the, the volunteers at each host club, you could sign up for whatever. My grandma signed up. She was first in line. She knew because it was like this was our year. She signed up to be the official scorekeeper in Arnie's group oh, on the last nice. day. Beautiful. And she was able to drive her Cushman golf cart. <laughs> she had a house on nine. And on nine, I was six years old. She picked me up, and I sat on her lap and steered for the last nine holes with Arnie. And Arnie was just behind the ropes the whole nine yards. And at the end of it, she just comes up because you know she would keep the score, and then they'd you know exchange the cards and go into the to the to the tent. And uh, she goes, "Hey, Arnie, uh, we're having a big party over at the house after the shindig. We'd love for you to stop by." And he's like, "Uh, "Phyllis, talk to my guy." Points to his right hand man. He's like, "Give him the address," you know. So she gives him the address, and we were just like... He'll never show up. Yeah, whatever. And so 
I'm asleep on the couch. My grandma used to just, she was a female Dean Martin. I mean, the <laughs> mood lights, the music playing, the cocktails going, like my, my mom would be making chicken wings and shit and fucking <laughs> Mr. Palmer. Just standing at the front door. Comes on in, parties with him all night till two in the morning. Really? Um, ate my mom's chicken wings. To this day, my mom always, when she makes the chicken wings for Christmas, as like an appetizer, she goes, Arnie loved my <laughs> Of course you, you know? should say that. Because yeah. he was, he was, cause he was like, you know, oh, right. I love these wings, that Kathy, awesome. you know, this and that. And so on his way out the door, my grandma was just like, oh, shit, I got to get something to sign for Ryan. So she runs out to the garage, this grabs is... a bottle of Pennzoil, and he signs the <laughs> bottle. A can or a bottle? A, uh, uh, the, it, was when the, it was 86, so they still have the bottles. Really? Uh, and <laughs> signs yeah. best wishes Arnold Palmer. Did you get any right. pictures at all? No, I mean, back then, no one I had cameras. I don't think you had a Polaroid you know, I mean, or anything. Fuck, I wish I did. Oh, know? that's too bad. But, but that is a phenomenal Hell story. of a story, isn't it? It's phenomenal. And by the and, way... But that's how he treated of course. people. Everyone like that. Who on tour could or would ever do that? One... And two, how much has the tour changed? You don't have local scorekeepers following you around, inviting you to parties, having their grandson on their well, lap. Well, we touched on that. That's you know, that's where I say that. The individual tournaments have lost their culture. Back in the day, you can attest to this. Each tournament had whether it was the Clam Bake, the Bob Hope, the LA Open, the Phoenix Open, you know, Harbor Town, wherever. Every tournament had like an identity and a culture, and like you know, and a lot of it was the club culture within that was hosting Absolutely. it, and and it's the pros word. loved it. It's corporate. That's yeah. the whole problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. it's all about. How do we get it into this window on a network broadcast? That's right. all that matters. Mm. The rest is like, good luck. Yeah. We'll see you next year. Yeah. That's all that matters. Right. So, you know, like the uh, L.A. Chamber of Commerce always ran the L.A. Open for mm. many, many, many years. Yeah. Right? So um, I got a great story that a guy that you said, well, who else would do what Arnold did? Yeah. Um, in, I can't remember what year it is now. I want to say it was about the early 2000s, maybe. Uh Mike Weir won the LA Open. Mm. Okay, went on, uh, went back to the to do his media stuff right mm. right afterwards. And when it was all over, I, I, we all knew who he was, but he wasn't a big winner yet mm. on tour. Um, I, it might, it's one of his first wins, I believe, on tour. So uh, when it was all over, I got a little one on one with him. I said, you know, I do a Sunday night show on KFWB. It's just a sports call-in show. It's one hour. I said, would you come on with us tonight? He goes, of course. Just give me the number to call in. Wow. So, so you never know if guys got, I mean, yeah. of course? No, it's not of course. Like, nobody in the entire field yeah. would say of course. Well, good on you for asking. That's kind of what has made you, you. Well, you have to ask. Yeah. Because they won't read your mind. Yes, that's true. But you're not afraid to ask. No. You show never. up everywhere. <laughs> you talk to everyone. Before we get off of the Arnold Palmer. Oh, I just kind of finished the weird story real quick. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know it was over. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. It's, so it's, he calls it's, in. No, no. So he, he, he calls in and he, and he apologizes because he called in like 30 seconds late. Mm. He's on his cell phone what in his car. In, in his car, yeah. he's driving down to Torrey Pines when LA yeah. Open was first, before that, yeah. right? And, and his it, phone it, was, was this it, big. And... I, no, it wasn't that big. <laughs> not, not quite. That yeah. was about 10 years earlier. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but, but he's telling me, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, my caddy's driving right now. And he's, I, I thought he was going to come out with me for like two minutes. We was on like for 15 minutes just BSing. And That's it was awesome. great. We talked about how he grew up in Canada and he loved hockey and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, anyway, it was fantastic. There awesome. aren't many like Mike Weir. 
Yes. And he's a class act. He's That's, a throwback. Like He's what I would call one of the older pros. You know, he still has that kind of. Well, he is on the old tour now. Well, yeah. But, I mean, you know, yeah. like, there's not a lot of those guys. I mean, there's no one on the. There's obviously a lot left on the Champions Tour, but not anywhere on the regular PGA Tour. There's none right. of those guys. You know, the last guy that I saw, and it was probably because his dad was in his ear so much, but for a number of years, I don't know if he's still active on tour, but he, he won the FedEx Cup one year. But Billy Haas carried himself like an old. I got a great Billy player. Haas story. Did he not? Like he he had that old tour player. I kind got of vibe. a great Billy Haas story, and it's from the desert, uh-huh. by the way, which he won. Because he won tour. that year. I was exactly. there that year. Yeah. Okay, so he was the defending champ the next year. Right. Right. As uh, they always try to bring in the defending champ on the media day. Mm. We get to play the course. We interview the defending champ, and they usually go home in five seconds and yeah. can't wait to get the hell out of there, right? Yeah. Billy, this is I, one of my favorite golf media stories. So we go out, and he was he's always a good guy, but yeah. whatever. You know, they're good guys everywhere. So we did our interviews, and, and they said, okay, you go on the course and play around and enjoy, and then it's, it's over, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they serve maybe drinks or d'oeuvres at the end, but pretty much it's over, right? Yeah. You can just get in your car and drive home. So we're finishing 18, and I'm getting off the green. And by the way, he did a nice little thing on the driving range, little lessons here and there, and, and, and stopped individual people. Like, no, can you work, work on this a little? I mean, you don't see that very often yeah. either. But that's nothing compared to this, in my mind, yeah. right? So we get back. I get off 18, and uh, the card's driving back to the card barn. And I look in the corner. I think that's Bill. It's like, what the hell is he doing there? So I drove over to him, and I said, what the hell are you? I mean, this is four hours later. He goes, I just stood here. I wanted to greet you all when you came back. Wow. I said, you got to be kidding me. Unbelievable. I said, you should be bronzed and put in the damn room right now yeah. forever. That doesn't happen, yeah. buddy. He yeah. goes, what do you mean? It's his, no- dad, his dad raised him right. I, I saw his dad, Jay, like a couple of years later, and Another I walked over to him, and I told him that story. And he goes, yeah, that's Billy. You know. Yeah. That's great. That's what I mean, that's come how, on. That's, Isn't that, I mean, that's just that's unbelievable. unbelievable. And that's just how those those guys were back in the day. There was such a level of respect, and, and the tour player carried themselves differently. You know, they they treated, whether it was the members or the help or what have you, in, in a fashion that you just don't see these days. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, Absolutely. Yeah. and that's kind of what we're trying to do as a company is, is shine a light on that era because that era is under attack now. Everything's either racist or, exactly. you know, it, in, inclusive or whatever the fucking term they want to use. And it's like, well, yeah, there's that in everything. You can look back in history at all that shit. But there was a lot of good, too. And the way those guys carried themselves, the, the camaraderie and the respect yeah. and just... It was. It, that's what we're striving for. It should never I be love. forgotten, no matter what. No, no matter just, what. That's just I, what you I, do. I don't give a damn what's going on in the world. If there's World War Three, yeah. you should still have respect, yeah. except for the idiot you're trying to kill. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah. you, you know what I mean. Yeah. There's true. war crimes too. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> yes. Uh, but let's tie a bow on our Arnold Palmer discussion. Yeah. Why don't you tell us your final encounter with Mr. Palmer was oh, his last. Ceremonial tee shot God, at Augusta. I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna have to step out for this. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, and by the way, I did want to say this. Uh, Ryan's two dogs are okay. named Winnie and Arnie, and he just named his daughter Palmer. Yes. So he loves Arnold Palmer, which why this might be a hard story for him to hear because it reminds us of uh, Arnold's last time being on television at the Masters. But you were there. Yep. And you shook Arnold Palmer's hand. Uh, on the day of his last ceremony, it was. 
first of all, I was standing talking to Fuzzy Zeller mm -hmm. for probably at least 20 minutes. Another great guy. Yeah, phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Every time I see him at the Masters, I don't know him at all, but he treats me like his old friend. Another great guy. Every time. Yep. Hey, what's going on? And then he takes me to the corner, we start talking. And he started crying into my microphone. I was doing an interview. I did a podcast with, God, I can't remember now. It was like something about uh, nine or ten former Masters champs that were there, right? And I interviewed them all, and I edited it all together and did a podcast. And it's it's pretty neat. There's really some old school guys yeah. and some newer guys. Ben Crenshaw's in there. You know, it's, I loved it. One of my favorite things I've ever done in Augusta. I've been there several times. So How many? Uh, I think I've been there seven, six or seven. Uh, Boy, I'd like to punch you six or seven times. Well, it's all right. Just uh, maybe on my shoe. Is yeah, okay? sure. Okay. Go on. If you ever need an assistant. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, guys, and I, and I talk about this in one of the stories in my book. I the read fact it. that it took me 25 years to get a credential. Sure. I mean, every time they saw the name Ted Sobel, they got calluses from hitting the delete button. Yeah. Did you not feel... And by the way, that was before computers. I was sending letters. Did you not feel like you opened up a fucking Willy Wonka candy bar and got a golden ticket? Or the first time? Yeah. The first time, I, I really felt like I was 15 years old again. Totally. It was unbelievable. I can't even believe it. Was it was like... Yeah. And I, that's what I was... I said that throughout the day. Yeah. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe they let me in. Yeah. You know, and then... And and you got to know this that the the radio row that they have there was an old media room and now they got a, a giant I mean it looks like a looks like a five star hotel their brand new media center it's phenomenal yeah uh -huh. it's just incredible yep but they, the old they just one, do such a good job don't they oh, oh, yeah but they got enough got money lots. to do whatever yeah, they, they wanted that helps yeah. um, so anyway they. Uh, they rebuilt this place, but the first time I was there, and I, I didn't know this because I'd never been there, I started asking around. I said, what is this about Radio Row? And they said, well, it's very limited. You know, there's no there's nobody outside of basically the big wigs, the networks and here and there that's going to... So I said, well, what the hell am I doing here then? <laughs> you know, just because I'm from L.A. means zero to Well, you just killed my resume with that art. Yeah. What do you care? Hey, keep me around long enough, I'll kill a lot more than exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm saying, what what is it about this Radio Row thing? He goes, do you have any idea how select a group this... There were, I think, the first year I was there, it was like 14 people were credentialed wow. in mm. the world, for, in the radio row. That's it. And I got credentialed. It's like, how the hell did I pull that off? So it's pretty neat when you yeah. think about that, right? Yes. And the same thing happened when I went to the Open Championship for the first time. I was at Wimbledon first because it, then it was two weeks apart. Yeah. Now it's the next week. Well, we call that a fortnight over there. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. But So I'm, I'm at Wimbledon, right? And uh, I meet, it, they're both run by IMG, mm -hmm. the, the media part of it. Yeah. So uh, the woman says to me, hey, we really liked, I was talking to Serena Williams. She just finished the Serena Slam. Jeez. Right. So I was like, I was, I was talking to her in the room and they called me over and I was looking for this woman the whole time who credentialed me. I, I was there for like four days. I never saw her. I wanted to thank her. Yeah. Right? So she called me over. I didn't even know it was her. Mm -hmm. She says, Ted, I'm what, whatever her name was. And she says, hey, we've been watching you. I said, is that good or bad? Shit. Is that, what is this, the FBI in yeah. London? What the hell's yeah. going on? Yeah. And anyway, we, we, like, we like how we you work. We call it Interpol over there. Okay. Yes. We like how you work the room. Yeah. I said, I'm not Dean Martin. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But whatever. And so they said, you're good. 
your credential whenever you want to be. Like, Unbelievable. Are you serious? Yeah. And, and then, you know, I was already going to the Open, so they still, to this day, send me credentials to go to the Open Championship. Yeah, wow. And I haven't been there in five years. Wow. That's pretty neat stuff. Isn't that is, it? that's yeah. great. So when I'm there at the Masters doing this, I'm thinking, boy, people think I'm lucky. I think I'm lucky to yeah. be there. What are the chances of me putting your lanyard on mm. and getting it? I think it's called negative zero. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's an absolute number. Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> so, and I'm not even female, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back to the ceremonial tea box. I know of. Oh, yeah. you, so, you, you have Zeller. now talked to Fuzzy yes. Zeller, yes. and Arnold is coming out. Yes, Arnold comes out, and what we hadn't seen him. He was, you know, he came. There's a back last one, right? The last one, last one he was ever there. He comes out uh, from the from the. I always forget the the name of that specific one, but it's sort of the club. I guess it's the clubhouse. Where they come straight out, right? Uh-huh. And he uh, he looks really frail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I couldn't. First, I looked at him. Was like, is that Arnold? Mm-hmm. And he was maybe hundred feet away. Wow! And I couldn't even believe it. And you have described Arnold Palmer as the John Wayne of golf, larger yes. than life. Not only uh, in a man's man, a man's man. Not only in the way people feel about him, but in the way that he looks, the way he acted too. He acted, it was a confidence thing. When he walked in the room, it was like, hey, Arnold's here. When I walk in the room, it's like, who gives a damn to keep eating? You know, it's a big difference when anybody yeah. walks into a room. Right, right. But Arnold was just something, you know, he had that aura, that whatever that special thing is, like somebody put the pixie dust on him yeah. when he was born. What right? we like to call it now is BDE, Big Dick Energy. So. I never would have called it that, but yeah. thanks for letting me know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a do mark. I have to use that for No, you don't have to. Well, you kind of do. <laughs> okay. uh, so anyway, you see Arnold. He's coming out. He's frail. You're on the uh, tee box. No, no, no. I'm not on the tee box. I'm right at the entrance, so he gets into the cart in uh, front of me, and it. they got to drive up this little pathway to the tee box. Okay, perfect. All right? Yep. I'm, I couldn't get near the tee box. There was too many people. And to be honest, I didn't really want to be there. I was enjoying the whole thing just talking to Fuzzy. Mm-hmm. That was great to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a former ch- not just that he's a former champ, but you know how he is. He's just a blast to talk to. Guy. Just a, you know, he yeah. said, here's my number. Call me anytime. You know, that kind of guy. Right? Yep. Just yep. really great. Great guy. So I'm talking to Fuzzy, and and then the buzz starts, and you can see Arnold coming out of the out of the cabin. And uh, so I we walked over a little closer. There's a cart between me and Arnold, shaking a few people's hands, you know. And then the buzz starts because most of the people are at the tee, right? Which is about right. I don't know, maybe. So it's kind of like a behind the scenes, a kind couple of hundred yards yeah. away, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe 150 yards away, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm sorry, not yards, 150 feet away, a couple hundred feet away, not in the yards. Um, it's not that far. So the few people, some photographers are right there, and they're watching him get ready. Just They're greeting him, uh, and he is really walking slowly. And I'm on the other side of the cart, and he walks up to the cart, and the guy's going to drive him in. The driver of the cart hadn't gotten in yet. So Arnold stands over, and he, he grabs the cart. I'll never forget this. He grabs the cart and he looks up and he just happened to look up at me. I was standing maybe, maybe five to 10 feet on the other side of the cart. And he just looks at me and he smiles, right? So I said, Arnold, it's great to see you. And um, that's it. It's great to see you. And, you know, just have a blast today or something like that. And I, 
and we both sort of at the same time stuck our hand through the, the openings in the cart just to shake hands. And as he grabbed my hand, which was not the same old Alligator grip, arms. like when he gripped your hand, it was, <laughs> you know, a giant grip around your hand. Um, it was soft. Mm -hmm. It was weak. It was frail. And it was scary to me because the second my skin touched his, he started to wobble. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I literally got scared. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking he might fall down. His balance was way off. That's why they didn't want him to swing the club anymore. And that, that, Which speaks volumes what? about the man. In that state, seeing you and reaching over and risking all that just to be a gentleman, what a fucking guy. Unbelievable. And my whole thing, it, it probably lasted five seconds, mm -hmm. but it felt like an hour and a totally. half. And I'm thinking, now the guy with the strongest grip in the history of the world, is it's up to my little grip to make sure he stays straight. And I'm doing this, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm doing every, whatever I can. I, mean, I felt it in my shoulder I was gripping so tight yeah. to make sure that he didn't tip over. Right. And then he, he sort of saw him gather himself, and then he sat into the cart. Yeah. And I just took the biggest sigh of relief, because if he fell down while he was shaking my hand... I would have looked like the biggest fool of all time, even yeah. though I didn't do anything wrong. Right. It was just, you know, all time. It's just, yeah, avoid that at right. all costs. And that was the last time you saw Arnold Palmer? Well, he went to the tee, and if you saw that, if you remember it, he that was, was the one he sat down. He, he sat down, yeah. exactly. Sat down, and they he just watched, and he applauded a little bit. And, that was and, hard. And that, that was, it was hard to watch. It was. And, and, and Jack and Gary recognized him, of course, and as did the, you know, the president of the club, as they always do. And then... They got him back into the cart, and he drove back to us. And I was talking to Fuzzy most of that time during the entire uh, ceremony, right? Almost the entire time Fuzzy and I were talking. And he, he was, like, crying. I'm starting to feel it now. I know. He, he's like, I, I can't see Arnold like this. Mm. I can't see him like this. Yeah. It's, it like, you, it's like you weren't supposed to. You know no. what I mean? That's what I, I almost wish he wasn't there, besides having a great story for my book on a selfish note. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's you know, secondary, obviously. You know what I cried more at? What? Was the following year when they put his jacket on the chair yep. and he wasn't there. Yep. That's when it really hit I you was like there a for ton of bricks. Too. You know, that was a hard one. Okay, but what happened was they drive Arnold back in the cart and he goes back into the same opening. I think he did... His last interview at the Masters with Jim Nance right after that. Mm. It's online if you've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. um, he actually, I don't know if they put makeup on him or I don't know. He, he looked a little better. Mm -hmm. He was obviously, you know, he wasn't himself, but he did okay. Yeah, you know, I remember he, that. He yeah. gathered himself yeah. enough. He was decent. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't embarrassing mm -hmm. or it wasn't like, I can't watch this kind of thing. It was, I was surprised and, and pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Good. You know, it was, it was, it was decent. Yeah. But as they drove off right past us, I'm standing talking to Barbara Nicholas mm. and Fuzzy and a couple of other people. Somebody introduced me to Barbara. And you talk about nice. She's the queen of the, of the wives and the moms on the tour. Mm -hmm. Not even close. She's an unbelievable person. Mm -hmm. She really is amazing. And we talked, and everybody was holding back tears. And Barbara and I said almost the exact time, we're never going to see him here again. Mm. I think everybody. Everybody who is a fan of his... Um, wholeheartedly knew that that day, you know, and 
that's why that was so hard to watch. You know, it's, yeah, it's but just, to be there and to be the last guy to shake his hand before he went out, it was like, of all people, me. I mean, I just shouldn't shake his hand to do anything. I wasn't being uh, Jim Gray, where I got to be the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, look at me. You know, I'm not like that. Great. Yeah, don't wow. get me started. I got stories about him. But I bet you Boy, would guy. I like to get those yeah. on-air offers. Yeah. Some people just have a punchable face, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, that's part of the story, but that's, <laughs> that's for another podcast. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with part two with Ted Sobel, author of Touching Greatness. We're going to talk about the 1995 PGA Championship at Riviera and all of Ted's stories with Tiger Woods. We will be right back with part two with Ted Sobel. 